Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to be joined by Michelle Martin. She is the weekend host of NPR's All Things Considered, which broadcasts live from the WDET studios in Detroit tomorrow and Sunday at 5. She is in town for the 50th anniversary of the 1967 uprising. Her show is broadcasting from here, talking to people about that anniversary, looking back 50 years, looking forward uh, at what has happened since then and what might transpire for us in the future. And she and I are going to have a conversation about those things as well as her storied career at uh, NPR. And we'll talk about some other things as well. So you want to stay tuned to that, a real special opportunity for us to have Michelle Martin here in Detroit and here at the WDET studios. But up first, it is Friday, and on Fridays we try to invite someone in to wrap up the week's news who sees the world a little differently than I do, someone who sits maybe on the other side of the political spectrum. And in that role again this week is Matt Resch. He is a principal at the Rush Strategies PR firm, former spokesperson for the former lieutenant governor of the state of Michigan, Dick Posthumus. Matt Rush, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Good morning. It's always good to see you. How is your summer going, Matt? You know, it's been an interesting summer. I think you always go into summer thinking it's going to be relaxing, and then <laughs> the, the children's schedule makes it less, uh, less they, relaxing than I think you have planned. They sort of take over, don't yes. they? You know, it's been an odd Michigan summer, I feel like. It hasn't been as hot as it normally is until today this week it's yes. a little a little steamy it's feeling a little more like july than it uh, than it has so far uh we want to talk this hour about uh, health care of course which is an ongoing subject in washington we'll talk a little about the president throwing jeff sessions under the bus this week uh, he's under there with lots of other people who have been just, been the, just the latest. All right. Uh, we'll talk a little about John McCain and the prospects for him, not just personally, but also politically. And I want to talk about the Michigan governor's race, which got a little more or maybe less interesting this week, depending on your perspective. If you want to join the conversation on any of those topics, uh, feel free to Call us at 313-577-1019. That's the number on the phones, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Matt, let's start with healthcare, which I know is your favorite subject. I love that. <laughs> Every time I'm here, we talk about healthcare. Say, each time you've come in for this segment, there has been something crazy going on with with healthcare. This week might be the craziest. I don't know uh, the, the the inability of Senate Republicans to come to agreement around a change to. Uh, the Affordable Care Act, which for seven years now they have promised the American people that they would get rid of and replace with something better. Now, we could argue probably quite a bit about whether what was on the table is better than what we have. I, I, I first, though, want to talk about the promise itself and whether whether not delivering on that is a problem for Republicans. Is it going to be a problem for Republicans next year at the midterms? I really think it is. I think it's been a pretty horrible week for Republicans in, in Congress this week. And I think a big part of it is because a lot of people who were willing to give the presidency of Donald Trump a chance and vote for him were so disenchanted with what they saw going on in D.C. 
and in some cases Lansing, just mm-hmm. in government in general, are going to see this as the epitome of the broken promises that led them into Trump's arms to begin with. And I think for congressional Republicans, that's going to be a real tough line to walk next year when they're trying to figure out how do we run for re-election? How do we maintain our majorities? How do we deal with this crazy man in the White House and what he's tweeting and what he's saying about us on any given day? And how do we keep the folks back home from, you know, just lumping us all in with with the problem? Yeah. And that's a big that's a big problem they have to face. This week. Uh, what does this say about the relationship or I would I should say the burgeoning relationship between congressional Republicans and this White House? I mean, it, it has not gone easily. It has not gone the way I think most people were predicting, which was that the conservative agenda that Republicans congressional Republicans have wanted to get through for a really long time would all of a sudden be more possible. So far, we're over on that, I think, uh, in terms of uh, actual substantive things that that conservatives want. Um, What's the relationship at this point between them and and this presidency? And is there any possibility that they can that they can figure that out? Well, I think the the relationship and the state of that relationship right now is the reason why we're not getting something passed. I think, I you know, the, the president can say this isn't on him. I put this entirely Do you? on him. I think that there are, I mean, there there are literally hundreds of Republicans in Congress. So getting hundreds of people to agree on one thing is always a challenge. But what we have is one person in the White House, and he has not spent a single minute since January twentieth trying to articulate what a health care solution looks like. Yeah. And usually when you're an incoming president or, you know, in the case of Michigan, when Rick Snyder came in, he did a lot of tough things. He asked Republicans to vote for a pension tax. He cut the budget. Usually presidents come in with a great deal of capital and enough capital to bring these folks, these four senators who are now on both the left and the right of the party who Uh are willing to walk away, usually enough loyalty in them to say, you know what, it's early, we're going to go along with this, we're going to get this done. President Obama had the same thing when he pushed the ACA through in the first place. Uh People who were willing to sign on to him because he was new, he articulated his vision, and all the Republicans in Congress have had in the White House is someone who's been critical, has been distracted, and has been making their life more difficult. Yeah. Uh, Do do you feel like... Congressional Republicans at some point will say the potential tarnish from this loony White House. I mean, and there's really not many other accurate ways to describe the things that we're saying. At at some point, is there a need to distance from that and to say, you know what? Yes, this is nominally a member of our party, nominally somebody who could help us uh, get some things done. But the damage here from his erratic behavior, from his lack of ability to, to, to work with us, is just too much. I certainly think for those members of Congress who have their own persona already built up, who have a reputation, who are known within their beta, uh, voter bases, um, will do that. They're already doing that. I mean, you've already if you've got four senators who are willing to, within minutes of Senator McConnell putting out his new plan to say, no, I'm not going to vote for that, they're already distancing themselves from what's going to happen. I think where it's going to be interesting is to see candidates for open seats or newer people who don't have a record yet or a name ID or a reputation to run on because the president still is remarkably popular with the Republican base. Testing in the, in the 80s in some places where you know, through focus groups and polling, Republican the Republican base still supports the president. So yeah. anybody who's going to be running uh, in in 
a year and a half from now are going to have to take that into consideration. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Matt Rash of the Rash Strategies PR firm in Lansing. He's a former spokesperson for former Lieutenant Governor Dick Posthumus. He's here in the Friday opposite role that we have carved out. Uh, so we invite someone in on Friday mornings to wrap up the week's news with me, and we try to make that somebody who sits on the opposite side of the political spectrum for me, somebody who sees things a little differently. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, talk about health care in Washington. We're going to talk about uh, the president throwing the attorney general under the bus this week uh, with regard to the ongoing Russia investigation. We'll get to John McCain and the Michigan governor's race as well. Uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Call and tell us what you think about the healthcare meltdown this week in Congress. Uh, what do you what do you expect going forward? And are you somebody? I particularly want to hear from you if you're somebody who voted for Donald Trump uh, and feel disappointed that things have not gone quicker in the direction that he promised. Uh, the things that he said he wanted to do all seem to be sort of stalling out. Again, 313-577-1019 on the phones. Charlie in Detroit, you're up first on Detroit Today. Hello. Hey, Charlie. Hey, good morning. Hey, um, a friend of mine last summer, I thought facetiously predicted that uh, Trump and Bill Clinton had a bet before uh, the election that uh, nice case of uh, French champagne, let's say, that uh, Trump could run, uh, win the White House, tank the Republican Party, and make money at it. <laughs> it seems like it's getting more plausible by the day. Charlie, uh, that's, really, that's a very funny That is the cheapest case of champagne yeah. Bill Clinton will ever have to buy. <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, I mean, and it does seem as if this is a president who feels as though he can win even if, the people who are in his party in Congress lose. And that that is an unusual, I guess that's an unusual outlook for Well, I think he's president. defining winning differently than you and I do, Stephen, yes. or anyone else. I yes. think winning for him is being in the news. It's making money. It's it's whatever noise around his name has gotten him to where he is. That's a that's a definition of winning that doesn't work in Washington, D.C. Yeah. You know, winning in D.C. means winning elections, winning votes, winning the hearts and minds, winning policy debates. That's not what he's here to do. And I, I have maintained from the beginning he never wanted to be president in the first place and got down this road and got too far and <laughs> got was like, oh, boy, I guess that, this is going to uh, happen. I guess we got to do it. Because he seems completely this. disinterested with the, with what's going on with and, the and, anno actual and annoyed, job. annoyed yeah. with what he has to do. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about what he did to, to Jeff Sessions, his attorney general. This is not the first time he's sort of slapped him around. Um, you know, again, it's a strange it's a strange approach to governing. It's a strange approach to being the executive. Uh, you take somebody who has given up his senatorial career to to serve in your administration, who by all accounts is pretty loyal to your agenda, and you you take him out because you're you're worried about a personal a personal matter. You know, and it's I spent some time earlier this week with some pretty pretty grassroots Republican types and. We were actually in Washington, so we were you know driving around and seeing these things, and obviously talking about what's going on. And it was interesting to me when you when you get out of the the Beltway and the bubble, and and all the people who do you know spend their lives talking about this, 
that the perception they had about all of this kind of thing, and not Sessions in particular, but just the, his actions and Trump's actions in, in uh, general, were that this is the government, the way the government used to work. It's the good old boys network, and this guy is just coming around and slapping people around, and maybe it just had to happen. Yeah. And that this is the way it, you know <laughs> people in DC aren't used to this, but they should you know this is maybe they should get used to it. And it was an interesting perspective. I just heard Jeff Sessions doesn't agree. I mean, he's one of yeah. a statesman of the Senate and is gonna and is being. Uh, having to deal with this kind of thing. But I think that is the sentiment I think many on, on the Republican and, and the, the right uh, grassroots shake see, it up, like, shake huh? it up at all costs. Yeah, I don't know. That, that, that rubs me the wrong way for a number of different reasons. But but one of them is not that I think people in Washington should be comfortable in in what they're doing. I think they ought to be sort of on edge and, and thinking about what the people want. But but there are such things as uh, institutional sort of stability and mm-hmm. and predictability, which I think, in the end, no matter what the American people say about wanting change, those two things that that stability and predictability are the things that that make us all feel pretty comfortable. Right, and you know it's it's interesting that a a, a man like Donald Trump, who is facing all of the things he's facing with the independent counsel and, and the Russian investigations and 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 call even early calls for impeachment at this point is fighting with his friends and pushing away the people who at some point he is going to need to stand with him. Yeah. Um, and that's not something he's ever really shown a willingness to do. He's not doing it now, and it's going to come back to, to bite him. It's, yeah. uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones, 313-577-1019. Let's go to Susan in Dearborn. Susan, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, Stephen. Hey, how are you? Very good. Very good. Just want to say, love your show. It makes me think. Oh, thank you. We appreciate that. <laughs> my uh, my comment was, uh, no questions really, but my comment was watching the Republicans for seven years screaming about the Affordable Care Act, how terrible it is, and we have to fix it. You think they would have started working on it right away, but they're like the kids that knew they had the school assignment due, and they put it <laughs> off until the very last minute. <laughs> And now they're they're cobbling something together out of out of last minute sort of rush, right? <laughs> exactly. If I was the teacher, I would be looking at them, ripping that up, and saying, "I'm calling your parents. Why did you wait so long?" Yeah, right, <laughs> right, Susan. That's a that's a great observation. Can Thanks I, can for I say in Republicans' yeah, defense, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> that it, it's not all that different than when the Democrats took control of the Congress and President Obama after campaigning for years about health care reform and doing doing something like the ACA to have arrived and not have any idea what they were going to do or how they were going to do it. Right. And the process that then came. Now, granted, they came well, it to took something. took a year, They though. came to something, but they didn't come. <laughs> they weren't talking about their details and their 10-point plans when they were running. They were just saying, let's fix health care. That's and true. And then they got there, and they, they tried to do it. Right. But, but I mean, here, uh, I mean, do you admit that the, the Republican answer to that has been not to sort of think about it and not to debate about it, but to rush something through without any even floor debate, which well, I think is un, un, uh, unprecedented for something of this size, and say, well, here's our fix. Right. And I guess, again, I put this on the president because if, you know, Paul Ryan has a plan, Mitch McConnell has a plan, people in the Congress have plans, Marco Rubio had a plan, yeah. they all, all the other candidates for president had a plan. And had they been inaugurated, the staffs and of, the Congress and the White House would have gotten together and messaged and planned out what they were going to do. And there would have been, people would have agreed and disagreed with whatever that was, but there would have been an articulate 
messaging of a healthcare alternative. Right. That's not happening. if it had come from from the White House. Yeah, if there was a if there was a president there who was interested in these kinds of details who had come with a plan then those members of Congress right now who are out there thinking the only thing I've got on my side is a, you know, a Twitter addicted president right. who I'm not going to get behind that would have had a president who was leading a conversation and they would have felt comfortable following in line and supporting a, supporting a plan. Yeah. No, I, I think that's probably I think that's probably a, a pretty spot on analysis. Let's talk quickly about John McCain, uh, you know, one of the. I think most respected statesman in in the Senate and his health now seems to be threatening that status for for him and of course there's a sad personal narrative there that's un, unfolding I mean this is one of the, the the people I think whether you're Democrat or Republican there's tremendous respect for the things that he's done for this country but politically this makes things it gums things up in Washington even even more. I mean, you take someone like McCain out of the equation, it makes a lot of the things that Republicans want to do even harder. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a horribly sad thing. And I, I was actually reading this morning an account of his his time in in Vietnam and in prison, and it's just it's hard to wrap your mind around the it things really he is. went through. Yeah. It's it's you don't even see it in movies. And to know that it happened in real life to a person who has gone on to accomplish what he has. I mean, he yeah. is a he is one of the few heroes and statesmen that I think this, you know, that we're going to see for a while. They yeah. don't they don't make people like this anymore because, sure. you know, and thankfully the circumstances around the world don't lend them lend themselves to, you know, putting people in those kind of spots that, that he was put in. But, you know, it will be it will clearly be a distraction. It'll be something that that members uh, will be thinking about. And rightfully so, you know, from, a, I guess, a Republican and maybe even a bipartisan standpoint, maybe it can be something that people can rally around. And and his pulling for him and working with him uh, might be something that you know could be a bright spot. One things. of the things that I think the party will miss if he if he is not able to keep continue serving is his ability to work across the aisle. And there are fewer and fewer people in the Senate who I can think of who have any interest in that, let right. alone any experience doing it. Well, and it's, yeah, I was as I was driving in, I heard interviews with Al Gore and John Kerry, both talking about their relationships with John sure. McCain. Now, a lot of the, you know, the diehard Republican base will say that that was why he was, you know, a rhino and and, and they had a lot of a love-hate relationship. <laughs> well, that's a real hard, I, see, as, as, a, as a progressive guy, that's a real hard thing for me to even fathom. Right. I, I, again, I respect John McCain an awful lot, but boy, there has just not been a lot of things he's done that I think uh, that I think were 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 the right sort of decisions. Um, but but again, that I think that defines this distance that that exists between right. us in this country right now. Uh, I, I want to before we have to wrap, I want to talk about the Michigan governor's race, which is still, I guess, 18 months right. away or 17 months away. But it heated up a little this week when Mark Bernstein, who is uh, a regent at the University of Michigan, prominent trial lawyer decided not to run for for the Democratic nomination. And I'll say up front, Mark Bernstein's been a friend of mine for a very long time. We went to college together. Uh, I have very deep personal uh, feelings about him. Uh, but, but from a political perspective, 
I think this changes the dynamic pretty dramatically. And and I, it's surprising that it's doing that so far out from, from when we are actually even thinking about this race. Yeah, I think that this week might be the second best week that Gretchen Whitmer will have <laughs> in her race for governor. The first one being the week that Dale Kildee announced that, or that Congressman Kildee was not going to be running. That he to was f- not going to run. The, the two most credible and I think very serious uh, general election candidates uh, decided that they were not going to run. Um, and I think that it, I'm surprised. I hope I don't eat these words, but I am, I am surprised <laughs> that she has cleared the field to this to this point um, and that she looks to be the Democrats candidate because this is, you know, when you look at the political landscape, you've got eight years of Republican governor. This is going to be tough for Republicans to hold regardless. It you has th- not happened since, I believe, maybe the 50s or the 40s that uh, an incumbent party has elected, has been able to elect the next right. uh, the next governor. And so you throw the Trump effect into the midterm elections. You throw the Flint water crisis into the conversation. This is the biggest and boldest opportunity the Democrats had to take this office uh, in a long, long time. And I, you know, Gretchen Whitmer's their candidate. Yeah, and and you you think that Mark Bernstein, Dan Kildee, from a Republican perspective, would have been more of a challenge to run against? I think so. I think that Gretchen Whitmer, she's never run in a race that was that was a race. I mean, she's from East Lansing. Uh, state House member, state senator, has never had any kind of tough race she's had to face. Whether it's Brian Kelly or Bill Schuette, they are going to put her through the ringer, through a campaign, and she's never been through it. Yeah. Um, and she's, you know, she's an East Lansing liberal, I'll say. That doesn't translate well as you're traveling north, going to the UP, going to the west side, a lot of the blue-collar neighborhoods uh, around southeast Michigan. You know, she is, you know, she's Hillary Clinton without the experience. Wow. <laughs> and I think that she's going to have a really hard time. And yeah. I think that Brian Kelly and Bill Schuette took a, a, a big breath of relief this week. And, and so I guess the, the question that arises, is there any possibility that we'd see somebody else? Mark Hackle, the Macomb County executive, he's sort of in, sort of out. I don't know that he's said for sure what he's, what he's doing. I almost think Hackle is too conservative for the Democratic Party to, to nominate. That's interesting. I, I think that he is too main. I, I, I think he's great. I think that he is, but he is a little too middle of the road. For the Democratic the Party to win the nomination, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Matt Resch uh, of PR Resch PR Strategies in Lansing, former spokesperson for Lieutenant Governor Dick Posthumus. As always, thanks for joining us here. On thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Up next, we're going to talk with Michelle Martin, the weekend host of NPR's All Things Considered. They will be broadcasting live from Detroit this weekend around the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of the 67 uprising. Stay with us on Detroit Today.